There's this pressure to make sure that everyone is a part of, you know, a part of what you're doing or that everyone should be excited and supportive of it. But really just taking a step back and saying, okay, why would this person be interested in supporting this? Or why would they not be interested in supporting this? If that's someone that you really need to have on your side, what are the ways that I can influence this person? It may be a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but you may not be the person to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with the stakeholder. Are you leading change in your organization? Maybe you are wondering what it's really like to lead during a transformation. Welcome to When Women Lead Change with Danielle Hawk. Get insights from senior and executive level women across various industries and sectors as we spotlight their journey in leading significant change in their respective organizations. You will also hear from subject matter experts in the areas of strategic change, project management and human resources on what it takes to thrive in this role. Because leading during steady state is not the same as leading during change. And now, here's your host, Danielle Hawk. Thank you for tuning in to When Women Lead Change. This week, we have another great episode where Nikki Rogers, the CEO of the Bladen Group, will share a story around a particular project she worked on where she supported a senior leader as they were leading through large-scale change. Nikki has in-depth experience in change management, organizational strategy, and program management across multiple industries, including health, defense, and manufacturing. Nikki recently transitioned from Booz Allen Hamilton, where she spent over a decade guiding federal clients through organizational transformations. Nikki is now the CEO of The Blayton Group, a boutique consultancy focused on strategic planning and business coaching for small businesses, startups, and nonprofit organizations. Welcome to When Women Lead Change. This week, we have in our studio, Nikki Rogers. Nikki Rogers is the CEO of the Bladens Group. Welcome to the show, Nikki. Thank you, Danielle. So, Nikki, I've already given our listeners some background on your experience and all the places that you have worked and, and provided great services. Nikki, is there anything else you want to share about how you work with clients? Sure, Danielle. Um, and thank you for inviting me to be a part of your podcast. But yeah, the Bladen Group is is really focused in on working with small business owners and folks who are growing their businesses to really think about how they can strategically uh, manage growth, how they develop their infrastructure and all the things they need to do in order to um, support a sustainable organization. And I'm just really passionate about helping folks uh, live their th dreams through their companies. Great, great. Thanks for sharing that and giving um, a little more color around the Bladen Group. I know we reached out to you because of your extensive experience in strategic change. And so it's great that you're able to share with us some insights in that space, but also share with our listeners the new work that you're doing um, in case some of them might be thinking about starting their own business. At least they have a way to connect with you. So let's get started. Describe a, a change effort that you've supported and tell us a little bit about what was changing. How many people did it impact? Like what was at stake? Yeah, sure. Um, the one change effort that um, comes to mind 
is one in which I was working for or working with a government agency and they were undergoing a system implementation, large scale system implementation that was going to impact 25,000 employees across the organization. And so, you know, that's a large amount of people to be impacted by change, but the, the impact was even broader than that because there were millions of beneficiaries that were going to be potentially impacted by the system implementation. So the stakes were pretty high. It was a very high profile. There was lots of public interest in the outcomes of the project. And so we were really invested along with the client and making sure that the implementation went well. Okay. So yeah, you have high profile internally and externally, a large number of impacted individuals. And so when you think about the sponsor or change leader that was leading this from inside this agency, what do you think was the most challenging aspect of of being in that role for that effort? You know, I, I think there were a number of challenges. I think one, with any change, there's a there's a resistance, you know, just natural human nature is a resistance to change. And this um, system implementation was going to change the way that folks did their work. And folks were really, you know, invested in, in being successful at their jobs. So I think there was just a natural resistance. It was the whole idea that maybe productivity may slow down for a bit during the implementation and folks were, you know, hesitant to to kind of sign off and approve or even acknowledge that there was going to be a, a productivity lag um, as the change got underway. There was you know, resistance in the scheduling, you know, because we're going out to over 50 locations. So every location was saying, you know, I want to be the last one. You know, no one was signing up to be the first one to undergo the implementation process. I think there was a sense that this was a problem that was too big to fail, but also there was almost a sense that there would be some type of failure as a part of this. So I think the change leader was facing a lot of headwinds, even though everyone in the organization agreed that this was a priority project and that it was important. But uh, I I think the human nature reaction to change was was a lot of the challenge that, that my client was facing. Wow. Yeah, that's helpful to understand and to get a really good picture of what this leader was facing and in the midst of, because I do hear from you, like the different levels of resistance coming from different angles and from different spaces and and some of it very legitimate in some ways. But at the end of the day, for that leader, having to be in that for a period of time, where do you think this leader was really effective? You know, one of the other challenges was that this leader was not the manager of any of these organizations that were going to be undergoing the change. So it was really kind of a matrix organization coming in and saying, hey, this is the new way that you have to operate. In recognizing that as a challenge, I think the change leader did an excellent job in communicating before, during, and after, like over-communicating and really drawing in the stakeholders to be a part of the process from communicating, you know, here's the roadmap 
for the implementation of this project. Here's where you individually fit and individually meaning each one of the each location. Here's how you fit into that roadmap. And then within each each location, here's the different roles that you all will play within the implementation and really speaking to each stakeholder and telling them, here's what's changing. Here's how it's going to impact you. And here's the tools and resources that we're going to provide along the way. I think that went a long way in assuaging people's fears and concerns. And even the change leader went so far as to engage those who did have fears and concerns to be a part of the process and bringing them in and helping them and, and allowing them to really be the beta testers to drive some of the um, testing scenarios and really engaging those who would have been critics and naysayers throughout the process. And that really helped make the eventual implementation that much better. Wow, they really did. It sounds like that individual really was very skilled in their ability to deliver in terms of the communication piece and building the coalition of support. I'm hearing you say that too. Just thinking about ProSize framework, for example, their change management framework. It sounds like they did a pretty good job of building the coalition of support. Now, one of the things you mentioned was the fact that this person was not a leader for any of these groups that were impacted. It was a matrix situation. So it sounds like it was very complex. I think some of our listeners may often find themselves in that situation where it's this, its own program all up unto itself, I should say. And they are plopped into you know this role and working with so many different groups and stakeholders without direct you know, influence or reporting influence. And so that definitely can be challenging um, in and of itself. But I mean, I think, you know, what you said, the communication piece was critical. And that's definitely been a theme in our last few episodes where our guests have been emphasizing the communication piece. So, wow, that's fascinating. I meant to ask earlier, how long was this effort? How long was this initiative? Is it still going on? I mean, is this a multi-year effort? Overall, it was a multi-year effort, but, you know, part of this was the planning, the actual implementation, and then kind of the the post-implementation support. But I would say the implementation itself probably took about 18 to 24 months. And as a credit to the, the change leader, we actually finished the implementation component six months ahead of schedule, which is almost unheard of. But it's, you know, once we got the ball rolling and once we had a few early successes, everyone else wanted to, you know, rapidly come on board. So it, it was really, you know, I, I would say it was a highlight of, of my career to see something, a system implementation being done early. Like that was that was really a highlight and a testament to the change leader. I will say one of the other things that she did, and it was a woman leader, she did was addressing issues and concerns around resources. So if it was a matter of we need more training in order to get this done, it was developing training. It was leveraging resources that she had underneath her command in order to work with the stakeholders where where they were. 
So again, all the all the normal challenges, you know, the budget, the scope was huge, the budget was tight, you know, resources were um, limited. So just being able to think creatively around how the resources that she had at her disposal could be leveraged in order to meet the needs of the stakeholder. Again, it just made for such a great experience, I think, across the board. So, Nikki, it sounds like she was very effective in many ways. Now, is there anything that you feel like she missed or any blind spot she might have had over the course of this effort? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I I feel like she did a really great job. But if I had to think of one thing, I would say finding allies a lot sooner. So I think she did a really good job of managing up and managing across the organization. But there were some people who were just not ever going to come around and be supportive. And so if, you know, if there's one thing, I think probably getting to the folks who are going to be supportive a lot sooner, a lot quicker and building that momentum just would have been a better use of time and effort. All in all, again, like I said, great job. And she definitely was able to to get the supporters on board. But I think it took a little while in order to solidify that team of supporters. Right, right. So so when you think about her getting out there earlier, what, what would that look like? Because I want to make sure like our listeners have a, a really good sense of what does that mean kind of in those early weeks of or months of an initiative like this? Does that involve having like one-on-one meetings and, and really stating burning platform? Like what, what, what does it look like? I, yeah, I think it looks like, you know, doing that, the classic stakeholder analysis and understanding where people are coming from, e- even for the folks who were not necessarily on board with um, the, the approach taken. It wasn't from a place of, you know, I don't think it was from a place of malice. It was really around protecting their own interests within the organization. So I think doing that stakeholder analysis, having an understanding of the political environment and political, you know, internal politics to see where alliances are, to see who are the influencers on those key stakeholders that you want to reach. I think that's all the work that has to be done in order to come up with, you know, your stakeholder engagement plan. And I'm speaking of at the organizational kind of leadership level, not even, you know, delving into it when you're doing the the stakeholder analysis for the actual change that you're rolling out. I think the client did a good job, but, you know, part of it when you're a new leader or you're leading a new effort, there's this pressure to make sure that everyone is a part of, you know, a part of what you're doing or that everyone should be excited and supportive of it. But really just taking a step back and saying, okay, why would this person be interested in supporting this or why would they not be interested in supporting this? And how do if if that's someone that you really need to have on your side, what are the ways that I can influence this person? It may be a one on one conversation, but you may not be the person to have that one on one conversation with the stakeholder. So just figuring out the nuances of how you can leverage relationships, leverage connections, and get folks to come around to you. It may not be you directly, 
but just figuring out what is going to be most effective for the stakeholder you want to reach, I think is, is a key part of that, um, the early stages of, of any change effort. Nikki, thank you so much for being so complete in your answer and, and sharing with listeners, to your point, the nuance around it. It really does require a person to be strategic and to really have even a level of empathy to understand how these leaders, your peers, or the people who would be, you know, impacted, how they would be impacted so you can formulate the right strategy or approach. Yeah, I think empathy is a key point of really standing in the other person's shoes and not going in with an adversarial mindset, just going in with, we're all here to work for the collective good of the organization. You know, whatever the effort is, is a is a priority based on what else is going on in the organization. And let's all work here together to make it happen. And I think if you go in with that approach, you're going to get a lot more feedback, support for whatever change effort you're leading. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, Nikki. So my last question is, do you feel like leaders effectively leverage your expertise or your role? I mean, obviously, it sounds like this person um, definitely did. But what, what are your thoughts on that in terms of how these change sponsors work with you know, change strategists? So I, I, the answer is sometimes yes. So when you have a, a client or a leader who really understands the business imperative, for change management, and they understand that the people side of change is what contributes to lasting and sustained transformation within the organization, those are the clients that they get it and they are able to leverage change strategists appropriately. For clients who don't understand change management or they've just been told they need to have change management as a part of their their project or initiative, it takes a little bit more convincing to have them utilize, you know, the depth and breadth of the the of what we can bring to the table. And those are often the clients that need change management the most. Um, but you have to start where clients are. And so for those who don't really understand change management where they think it's just about communications and you're going to just tell folks what what is happening to them, you know, you have to take a step back and lead them through the process and connect the dots between, you know, the change management practices that we're recommending and what the long-term outcomes will be for the organization. And so you don't necessarily start with a high-level strategy, but you really break it down into simple terms as to, you know, when we communicate about how the organization is changing, you're going to get people who are going to be more interested, invested, and engaged within the change. That is going to lead to less resistance or or potentially can, can lead to less resistance to the change, which then results in X dollar saved. You know, you have to kind of communicate it to them in that way so that they can see the connection between managing the people part of change and the actual business results. So I feel like the the clients that I've worked with fall into those two camps. And obviously, you know, I want to spread the message about change management. So there is some goodness in working with those clients who are not quite convinced. 
them, but obviously my passion would be in working with those clients who really understand and embrace change management um, from the start. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely understand that there's going to be a different um, experience or I should say a different starting point depending on where your, where your client is, meaning the, the change leader, change sponsor. So, you know, for our listeners, they are those individuals. And if they are going to build their team and add that resource, you know, what questions should they ask when establishing a working relationship with someone like yourself? You know, I would definitely ask about past experiences, the, the depth and breadth of those past experiences in supporting a change effort. I would ask about the challenges that they face in working with clients and how they overcame them or how they help client overcome them. Because in any change effort, there's going to be challenges. So I would really say you want to hear from someone who's been in the trenches with the client and help them overcome challenging situations. Those are the folks that you want to have on your team. I would say some of the other things are, you know, there's certifications, but I would say balance certifications with also experience because I I feel like the experience is key in real world application. The certifications and training are great to have more of the academic foundation for a lot of the change principles. Right. So really being able to speak to the actual tactics, strategies, tools, models, but definitely having had that kind of in the weeds type of experience, you know, that's what's going to be compelling, you know, for that, that leader to making sure that they have the right person on their team. Exactly. Well, Nikki, you have provided our listeners some really great um, information, some perspective and some insights on leading change in organizations, particularly when it's very complex, multi-layered, long, extensive time period. Thank you so much for your time, Nikki. Well, thank you, Danielle. I'm um, excited to be a part of this great effort and look forward to uh, listening to future episodes of the podcast.